1: The Lord has raised that person up, has given them responsibility, and they're already doing certain responsibilities, and all we do is put a title on it, Pastor. That's ordination. Man recognizing what God has already accomplished in the heart. Man recognizing what God has already done in the heart. Samuel pouring the oil on him. I love the fact that he said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you, Commander? I'm just doing the heavy work here. The Lord already did it. Your commander, because the Lord said so.
0: God ordains and calls men to do His work in this world. God orchestrates details in people's lives that lead and guide them toward their calling. Pastor Dave will explain how it is that God uses men to confirm and recognize God's calling in their lives. It's important to recognize what God is doing for others. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10, as he begins his message The Anointing. You are sure.
1: If you'll turn into your Bibles to 1 Samuel 10. 1 Samuel 10, we're going to look at the eight chapters. Um, we're going to look at the first eight chapters. Let's read those eight verses, okay? Actually, let's begin in verse 27 of chapter 9. All right, I'll read aloud if you want to follow along silently, just to get an idea of where we're going here. Chapter 9, verse 27. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zullah. And they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the chidmouth tree of Tabor. There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and to make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So after all that God had accomplished in the nation Israel from Egypt to now, after all God had done for the nation, after repeatedly delivering them from enemy after enemy after enemy, Israel rejected God as their king. Israel instead wanted what every other nation had. They wanted a human king. They wanted a worldly king. One that would go before them in battle and one that would lead the nation and then judge them. They wanted a human on the throne. They rejected God as their king. And even though the prophet Samuel told them all that a king would take from them, even though Samuel told them God's words, that when they once again cried out to him because they were unhappy with the king that he gave them, he would not hear them. Even though all this happened, Israel still wanted what they wanted. We want a king. Give us a king. So God gave Israel what they wanted so badly. He gave them a king. God gives nations, leaders that they deserve. This was not God's original choice for king. This one was still a few years away. He was alive, but it was a few years away. This was not God's original choice for king. Everyone agreed that Israel was probably going to have a king at some point, but this was not God's original choice. I believe God is doing this to teach Israel a lesson. I believe he's doing this for many, many different reasons. And sometimes we too want things so badly, and even though we know the bad consequences of getting what we want, we want that particular thing or whatever so badly that we choose it instead of listening to God. We do. Been there, done that myself. And when this happens, God gives us over to our own desires. You want that so badly? I've had it. I've had it. He gives us that which he knows is bad for us. But yet he gives it to us in order to show us just how wicked our hearts are. To show us just how badly we need to listen and obey him in all things. He does that to teach us a lesson. In his righteous wrath and righteous judgment, God gives man up to their sin that our evil hearts desire and allows us to experience self-destructive results. But even in the midst of our dire circumstances, even in the midst of our destructive consequences, God is with us. He told us that he would never leave nor forsake us. He is with us always, even in the midst of those times. So God has chosen a king for Israel. Out of all of Israel, he points out the man to Samuel. He's a man from the little tiny tribe of Benjamin, a man named Saul, the son of Kish. He's a wealthy man. He's a good-looking dude. But he is a man who was not concerned with spiritual matters. He wasn't against religion as such. He just didn't make the Lord a vital part of his life. And it was a really strange event that brought Samuel and Saul together, if you remember. Three of Saul's father's donkeys got loose and ran away. Saul and the servant went looking for them, and when they couldn't find the animals, the servant suggests that they go to the seer who lived in Ramah and ask him if he knew where the donkeys were. Samuel is the seer. And we see God's providential hand in this event. The day before Saul came to visit Samuel, God tells Samuel that Saul was coming and that Samuel should prepare to meet him and give Saul the message that the Lord gives to him. Saul even arrives in Ramah, and it just so happens that Samuel is there that day. What a coincidence. And he's coming down from the high place, and they almost bump into each other. God set it all up. Go over to chapter 9, and look at 16 and 17. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house. Now, he wasn't real spiritual. Samuel was the judge of all of Israel. He was well-known as a prophet. All of Israel knew that he was a prophet. Saul lived only five miles away from where Samuel's headquarters were, but yet he didn't know who the guy was. We can glean from that that he wasn't really into spiritual things. But look at verse 16 and 17, when... God says, Tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint his com- commander over my people Israel that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines for I have looked upon my people because of their cry to come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man in whom I spoke to you. This is the one who shall reign over my people. So Samuel knows that Saul's coming. He's prepared to meet him and he sees him and he invites him to go have dinner. Go enjoy the feast with them. And they spend the rest of the time feasting together. And it's pretty interesting because as you read through the narrative, you find out that all of the best portions are given to Saul. Not only is he the guest of honor, but he's the king in Samuel's eyes. And Samuel gives him all the best. Remember what a king will take? Remember the king will take the best. The best of your children, the best of your wages, the best of your land, the best of everything. So during the feast, Samuel tells Saul that the donkeys are safe with his father. But then Samuel tells Saul the news. Look at verse 20, chapter 9. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? What was Israel's desire? To have a king. Samuel was basically telling him the man that God has chosen. You're the one. Saul very humbly says, who am I that you would do this? He very humbly says, who am I? He explains that he's from the smallest tribe and he's the least in the tribe. Well, we know this to be a half truth. He is from the smallest tribe, but he's a very wealthy man. So I wouldn't call him the least in the tribe. We don't know, we know his father was, but there was humility in his voice, if only for a little while. And after they've eaten, Samuel begins to speak to Saul, and we pick that up in verse 26. They arose early and it was about the dawning of the day and Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house saying, get up that I may send you on your way. And Saul rose and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on, but you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Remember, Samuel is a prophet. And he wants to announce the word of God, the word that God had given him now to tell Saul. And in these verses, Samuel dramatically introduces the official anointing of Saul as king of all Israel. He introduces this. Through this amazing set of circumstances, God had brought Saul to this place. Some of us see God move in remarkable ways, and we think, if God moves in such remarkable ways, I can just sit back and eat bonbons and wait for God to move. I can just rest in my hammock and eat bonbons and watch soap operas until God decides to move. He'll arrange it and he'll force it on me. Well, God doesn't work that way. God sets up special circumstances in our lives. And I know most of you, special circumstances have been set up in your life. They've been set up in your life. He works in special ways with certain people. He works with us all individually as he see fits that he may deal with us so that he commands us to seek him. If we seek him with our heart, what happens? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. The psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will do what? Give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So in the first verse of chapter 10, Samuel now is going to anoint Saul as king. He's going to anoint Saul as king and he takes this thing of oil Flask, it says, and pours it over his head. He kisses him and pronounces him the leader of all Israel. Look at verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you, commander, over his inheritance? What was Saul doing here? Samuel was recognizing God's choice. He's not making the choice. He's simply recognizing that God has already made the choice. And God pointed the man out to him, this is he. Samuel is recognizing God's call upon Saul's life. It's very much like ordination today. Ordination is man's way of recognizing what God has already done in the heart of an individual. Man puts a stamp on it. We ordain the person to be a pastor. We give them basically a piece of paper that says you're ordained and you have all the rights and privileges that a pastor. But all we're doing is recognizing what God has accomplished in the person's life. And usually that, the Lord has raised that person up, has given them responsibility, and they're already doing certain responsibilities, and all we do is put a title on it, pastor. That's ordination. Man recognizing what God has already accomplished in the heart. Man recognizing what God has already done in the heart. Samuel, pouring the oil on him, I love the fact that he said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you, commander? I'm just doing the heavy work here. The Lord already did it. You're commander because the Lord said so. Done deal. God ordains. Man recognizes what God has already said. Now, remember that the oil represents the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Samuel pours oil onto Saul's head. When Samuel poured oil on Saul's head, And although Saul was anointed with oil, the idea of anointing is so much grander. What happened to Saul's head and body was a simpler picture of what God was doing in his heart spiritually. Spiritually. Much like baptism. Baptism is an outward sign of what God has done in your heart. It's an outward sign. This outward pouring over the flask over top of oil over top of Saul was an outward picture of what God was doing inside of him spiritually. Remember, we said that there wasn't much spiritualness to Saul. There wasn't much spirituality. The Holy Spirit was poured out on him. He was equipping him for the job of being king over Israel. And we go back and we look through scripture, oil was used in anointing priests. And sometimes the oil would be poured, like in Exodus twenty nine, seven. And sometimes the oil would be sprinkled, like in Exodus 29, 21. What does this show us? This shows us that the Holy Spirit's equipping for service is poured out in different ways and in different measures and to different people at different times. Remember, oil represents the Holy Spirit. The idea here is Saul is being now overpowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is there. Interesting about Old Testament. In fact, we have it so much better than the Old Testament saints. In the Old Testament saints, God would use a man or a woman. And when he did, he empowered them with the Holy Spirit. And they were used. And God could take that away. How do I know God could take that away? Because David prayed in Psalm 101, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take it from me. After he sinned with Bathsheba. So God gave it for special circumstances. Remember when we read in the Judges, how some of the Judges were, had the Holy Spirit in Exodus thirty, twenty-two 22-33, tells us about a special anointing oil. It was guarded as sacred compound, and it could not be imitated, or it could not be used as perfume oil. And since oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, we see that the Holy Spirit is not poured out to enhance the flesh. The Holy Spirit is poured out to glorify God. And that was the purpose of the Holy Spirit then, and it's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit poured out upon the saints at Pentecost Was for a specific reason, so that you will be witnesses of me. You will be witnesses of me, Jesus told them. The Holy Spirit can never be imitated. It says in verse 32 of Exodus 30, Nor shall you make any other like it. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. There is to be no place for encouraging of a fleshly imitation of the gifts or operation of the Holy Spirit. This denies the holiness of the Holy Spirit. When we regard his work as something that we can just do on our own. Not right. When I studied this, I was reminded of a story that Peter comes across in Acts 8. In Acts 8, verse 14, Down through 20, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. And they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money. Simon was a sorcerer. He offered them money for the Holy Spirit. Give me the power so anyone whom I lay hands on, I may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perished with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You see, the fleshly use of the Spirit is denied by God. We cannot imitate the Spirit or use it in a fleshly manner. Samuel pours the oil on his head and anoints him, and this symbolizes the Holy Spirit. But something else happens with the Holy Spirit that we can also apply to our lives in a few verses. Samuel kissed him. It was a sign of support for his king. It was important that the very first king of Israel feel the support of the man of God, thus having God's blessing. Very, very important. God had anointed Saul, and there were many aspects of the anointing that were very, very memorable to Saul. And there's three. Number one, it was a secret anointing. It wasn't done in front of the entire crowd as yet. It wasn't done before the entire nation. And as Christians, our anointing often comes in such a private way. Not in a flashy public ceremony, but sometimes it comes in a private way. Luke said, if you need the Holy Spirit, ask. Ask for the Holy Spirit. It was memorable and there was evidence of his anointing. It was not only memorable, but there was evidence of anointing. Because Saul's head was drenched with oil. Psalm 133:2 describes how messy an anointing oil could be. He says it's like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. Imagine what you talk about a bad hair day, and he probably had a beard, and it kind of ran down. Oh my! As Christians are feeling empowering by the Holy Spirit, should be memorable to us. And not only should it be memorable, but there should be evidence of the Holy Spirit coming upon our lives. And there's many evidences. I know there, there's some who, who think it's this evidence or that evidence, but there's many evidences, many evidence, tongues being among them. Tongues is an evidence that you've been empowered been by the Holy Spirit. It's definite. It's there in Scripture. You can't deny it. You can't get away from it. Try as you may. It is an evidence of being baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's there. Prophesying is evidence of the Holy Spirit, and that's where Saul comes in in a few verses. There's evidence. There's an evidence that'll come out in your life. It'll be shown in your life. It was memorable, and there was evidence of the anointing. Saul could look back on this time and this event and know that God had called him something special. Believe me, if you've been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit baptism, it's memorable, and you can look back at at a time that your life changed. You can look back on it and know my life changed at this point. Thirdly, it was a prophetic anointing because just as Saul was anointed as king, Jesus Christ is anointed as king of kings. Jesus is the Messiah. We sang Jesus Messiah. Messiah means the same word as Christ. Can anybody tell me what Christ means? Anointed one. Anointed one. Samuel reminds Saul that Israel belongs to the Lord. It's his inheritance. You're a commander over his inheritance. God's inheritance. They are his. At the same time, Saul has an important job to do. Because God has placed him as commander over the inheritance. Saul should have tried to be the best king he could. He should have tried very, very hard to be the best he could because he was taking care of people who belong to the Lord, God. This is the job of a pastor. And even though I fall so short so many times, I want to be the best that I can and take care of God's people, you, the best that I can. But I fall short because I'm a man, I'm human, and I rely on God and I rely on the Holy Spirit to do things, but even though my flesh gets in the way and I fall so short, I fall so short. But we want to take care of God's people the best we can. We want to feed them God's word. We want to see them grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to see them baptized with the Holy Spirit because we want to see them live the life of a Christian that God has chosen them to live. It's extremely important. Let's read 2 to 6 again. Samuel is speaking. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go forward from there and come to the tree of Tabor. There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that... You shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument, tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Wow. What is God trying to do here? What is the purpose of all this? Hmm? Kind of preparation, yeah, but I think it's confirmation. I think God is now confirming to Saul that he truly called him. He truly anointed him, and he is truly going to be king. Because I'm sure there are a lot of things going on in Saul's mind, like, what the heck's happening here? Besides having a wet head, he's thinking, what's going on? This is crazy. The Lord always confirms His anointing. Sometimes He does use signs, but mostly I believe He uses His Word.
0: You are a sure hope. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. While we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel Cape May, right now we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m. along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers that we'll be wise in our decisions and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel right here on Assure Hope.